Hey, I, I'm really thankful that we kicked off this new series, Crazy Makers. Uh, we did it several weeks ago, and then we had a missionary, and then uh, we, we kind of are getting back to it now. And I, and I just want to say, first off, you know, we began by talking about demanding and controlling uh, people. Those are sort of the little dictators of life, the, the people that are always, you know, trying to push us and, and manipulate us. And, and by those people, I mean me um, and uh, some of you. And uh, then, then Bethany just did an awesome job. I really, I really appreciated her message. I just want to thank Bethany so much for taking over the service and my wife, Sarah, for hosting. Um, you know, I, I really appreciated what she had to say about learning love through difficult parenting challenges. Sometimes the crazy makers in life, right, are our kids, let's be honest. <laughs> they really are. Uh, but today I want to talk to you about um, the disapproving people, the, the critical people. <clears throat> and I got I, I to gotta tell you, anytime I sort of wander into these messages, I, I take a little mirror to myself, and it's tough. Because uh, this is one that uh, for every word I'm saying to you, I've been talking to myself all week long about what it means to be a critical person. And, and maybe some of you will identify with this. And, and maybe some of you will identify with it, but then push back and go, well, you know, I'm just constructive criticism. <laughs> I'm not really that critical. But I hope to kind of tear that down and unpack it today. Uh, we're going to look at God's word and see what it has to say. But the fact is uh, that all of us face, you know, critical people, people that have something to say about what we're doing about how we look, about how we're acting. Uh, it's just a matter of, of life. Do you, how many of you guys have someone in your life with the spiritual gift of criticism? Anybody? You know, go ahead, raise your hands. Like some of you guys are right out there. You're, you're looking at my shirt, and you're just, you know, he, he made a poor choice, right? You're, you're criticizing. And, I mean, I accept that, right? Maybe it is, it is constructive, but I'm just embracing my summer today, and I decided to wear a floral print, <clears throat> so... Questionable and for sure, but uh, how, I know, so maybe you work like you know you have a boss that uh, that they sort of never seem to notice when you're doing your job correctly, and, and, and maybe you're they never give you any kind of praise for doing it above and beyond, but they sure will show up uh, and have something to say when you do something wrong. They're just that type of person. There's a criticalness to it, and and we know we all know people like that. Maybe you're an adult, uh, fully grown, you know. You're living your life, you're in your 40s, right? And mom and dad, you know, they still have something to say, right? They, they have something to say about how you raise your kids and, you know, spending your money and just choices that you're making. And you're like, you know, mom and dad, you know, I, I, have, gray, I have a gray beard, you know. You can, you can pull back on that a little bit, you know. But some of, some of us have, you know, parents that just in, into your adulthood, maybe, uh, maybe for some of you it's your spouse. Uh, you know, they, they seem uh, critical of everything that you do. Uh, they seem, you know, uh, always, you know, whether, you know, it's washing dishes, toilet seat up and down the classic, you know, toothpaste thing, you know, just leaving your stuff around. We all get on each other's nerves and we all criticize. And, and so, you know, it, it's, it, the question is this, like, because it's a fact that we in life will be around people who criticize and we're disapproving. The, the question is, what, what do we, what do we do about that? What do we do about those people? How, how do we love them? As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, dealing with controlling people, that the goal is not to 
uh, build a wall around ourselves and to, you know, silo off our you know, experience from those, those people out there. But it's really to learn to love and to coexist with them in a peaceful, loving, Christ-like way. And so, so we're not going to do any pushing away, uh, but we're going we're gonna to try to figure out how do we deal with the crazy makers who are completely driving us nuts by being hypercritical, overcritical, and maybe not even over the top, but maybe like in our own best interest, trying to point out error and, and fault in a way that can help us. There's that kind of criticism too. We're going to cover it all today, but let me, let me pray for our time together. Uh, Jesus, hmm, this is a big subject. As I wrestled with this, Lord, this week, you know, uh, first of all, I wrestled, wrestled with my own pride, my own criticism, but I also wrestled with this idea that how can I, how can I cram all of this into uh, a, a half hour message, you know, and, and Lord, so help me to do this justice. Help, help me to um, bring honor to your word and to let you speak through your word. Uh, and, and so make it not about me, but about you and, and Jesus, we just want to give you all of the glory and all of the honor. In your name we pray. Amen. So how, how do we appropriately deal with these people that are driving us crazy? So no matter what you do, I want to start with this. If you're going to make a difference in the world, if you're doing a lot in life, uh, whether you're in any kind of relationship or you're just moving through life, setting goals, achieving things, you will experience criticism, just baseline you, you will. In fact, uh, I believe it was Aristotle that said, to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. That's, that's one way to avoid criticism. So do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. Guess what? No one will criticize you. So criticism is the act of experiencing criticism is the act of being in motion through life, moving through life, doing life. You will draw, you will draw and attract criticism uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, for example. If you're talking about Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will naturally draw. People will assume things about you. People will map over their own perceptions of what that means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and you will sometimes experience criticism. And so the, the question is, what do you do about that? Do you hit back against it? Do you go, I'm persecuted? Do you respond? Or do you step back and say, wait, wait, this is just a natural part of life. So how do we respond to critical people? I want to, I want to go over four ways uh, that, we, that we respond to critical people. And the first one is, is this. This one is, is, is awesome because how do we respond? Often you don't. Often you don't respond. You don't respond to criticism. Just because someone criticizes you, it does not obligate you to respond. So this is tough, right? Because we are big on standing up for ourselves and, and we need to. There's times that we really do. And I talked about that with dealing in, with controlling people. Sometimes you got to say, you know, you can't talk to me that way. <laughs> you know, I have boundaries and you just crossed it, dude. You can't talk to me that way. But uh, sometimes you just need to not respond. And, and, and there's certain types of criticisms where that, that is 
That is true. It can be incredibly freeing, by the way, not to respond. And, it, and also, listen, it gives you a tremendous amount of power in certain circumstances. Let's see uh, what Jesus did in regards to criticism. Many times, this was his first line of defense, or of offense, I guess, if you wanted to put it that way, was uh, not to respond. 1 Peter 2.23 says of Jesus, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued to entrust himself to him who judges justly. Now, Jesus attracted an enormous amount of criticism, didn't he? Right? They called him all kinds of things. They said, yeah, man, that guy's a friend of sinners. You know, he hangs out with the wrong kind of people. He hangs out with dirty people, with, you know, I mean, people of questionable questionable morals. Uh, he, he's a drunkard. Uh, he eats too much. He eats the wrong thing. He's a lunatic. He's a heretic. And the thing about Jesus is that he did not retaliate. Jesus, of course, has all authority was given to him under heaven. And so, you know, he certainly could have done whatever he wanted. But Jesus, uh, in, in many cases, he did not respond to criticism. Jesus often responded by not responding. Uh, again, he was, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. He didn't return criticism with more criticism. He didn't escalate. He didn't um, increase the tension. He, 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 when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to God, and he placed his trust in God. Uh, now, the, the issue is it's just because somebody has access to you and they can talk to you doesn't mean that, that it requires a response from you. Many times people will come to me and they'll offer really constructive criticism, and I do appreciate that, by the way. You know, if you send me an email and you have a question or a concern or anything, I love, I love to hear those, but I can always tell when somebody's trying to toss in me a grenade, right? You know, there's just a like, pet thing that, you know, I said, and, and I can just tell they're not looking for dialogue. They just want to, you know, throw in a, cri a critique, right? It's your shirt, Pastor Scott, or something, you know. And, uh, and sometimes the best thing to do is just go, okay, you know, okay. Well, you know, I, I don't think you heard me right, you know. I <laughs> and and just sometimes it's, it's okay to just not, not respond. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger. Wisdom makes you slow to anger, and it is his glory, it is to his glory, in his glory, to overlook, to overlook an offense. What does that word overlook mean? It means literally to pass over. Now, it's not the same as pretending it didn't happen. So if somebody comes up and they're critical to, of you, to you, uh, I, I don't think that the right response is sort of like just, you know, push it down and pretend it didn't happen. You know, but, but we open up ourselves and we, we, we acknowledge that it happened. But then this word overlook, I love it because it, it means to pass over, to get over, to move over something. And, and the way that I want to look at it is it's actually a form of forgiveness, but not in the past tense. It's, of, it's forgiveness in real time. It's that, okay, you did something to offend or say something to criticize, and, uh, and I know that it's not fair. I know that I, I could get angry in response to it. I could retaliate. I could fight back. But I'm choosing in the moment, in the moment, to let it go in real time, to let it go, to release, uh, to rise above it, 
to choose to let it go. Because why? Because I know my higher purpose. I know my calling. I know what I need to do. I know what God has called me to do. And so nothing's going to get in the way of that. I talked about that in terms of controlling people, that people that try to control you, one of the first lines of, of defense is to know your calling so that you don't get sidetracked when somebody tries to push you off of your mission. And, and, and responding to somebody in a critical sense, sometimes you need to just let it go and understand that you have a higher purpose. So sometimes you need to, or often you need to not respond. Uh, number two, though, sometimes you do need to respond, but carefully. And no, notice I did not say react instinctively. Responding is very different from reacting, isn't it? It really is. Reacting is emotional. Reacting is like, oh, yeah, you just did that to me. Here's what I'm going to say back to you. And it, it, it tends to escalate. It tends to uh, increase the tension. It, it, it increases the likelihood there's a conflict. Um, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with conflict, but responding is more spirit-led. Responding is more intentional. So reacting instinctively is not the same as responding carefully. Sometimes you need to respond uh, carefully. I, I found an instance of this, uh, and I was thinking about that. It's Gideon in the Old Testament. Gideon was getting a lot of criticism, and people were thinking, like, he, they weren't excited about what Gideon was doing. And in, uh, in Judges chapter 8, let's just look at this really quick because it's a really good illustration of what I'm trying to say. And so in verse 1, the men of Ephraim said to him, Gideon, what is, what is this that you've done to us uh, not to call us when you went to fight against Midian? And then they accused him. Like, and the Bible says they accused him fiercely. They were intense about the criticism. And he said to them, what I have done now in comparison, what have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the grape harvest of Abiezer? So he, he, there he responds very carefully. He, what he realized in the criticism is that they were lacking some information. So he stops, and instead of escalating, instead of throwing barbs back at them, like, how dare you come to me, you know? I'm Gideon. I'm the judge. You're not the judge. I'm the judge. My say is final. He didn't do that. He realized in this case that they were coming with less information than they needed, and in his wisdom, he responded carefully. Um, an accusation that they brought to him required this careful response. And so we pick it up in verse 3, and listen what happened because of that. Then what? Their anger against him did what? Subsided. When he said this, they, it subsided. It, re, it was a release. Sometimes a real answer or more information is required, an explanation. When someone is critical, they may not have the full picture. And it takes wisdom to understand that and to say, look, I, I hear where you're coming from. I understand why you might be upset about this, but let me give you the other side of the story. Let me explain to you. And so it's a process of responding carefully and giving more information, and that's what Gideon did there. It's, it's offering context. And again, we, we have to take the emotion down a notch in order to do that because I don't know about you, but sometimes if somebody comes to me and they throw a barb, they don't understand. You know, how dare you, you know, uh, do this? Or I think, you know, the church should be doing this. And, and I realize that, okay, you know, they're, they're coming at me, but they don't have the full picture. And so I sit down and explain and say, I understand where you're coming from. And, and here's the background to that. Here's the story you don't know. Or here's the financial picture. Or here's the priorities that were laid out by the leadership of the church. And, you know, uh, and, and sometimes that really helps to sort of, okay, now I get it. I understand it better. 
Um, has, have any of you experienced that in work? Where somebody comes to you and they say, you know, hey, I asked for this and you didn't get it to me on time. And your first response is like to get defensive. Well, oh, okay, but you know, um, 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 um. And, and the thing is, is that if you just take a second, breathe, and then you say, look, here's the thing about the priorities, right? They've shifted because of this, this, and this, or maybe we need to bring somebody else in, and they can give you, you know, back up what I'm saying, and it's providing context. That's what Gideon is doing. He's saying, look, the grapes of Ephraim are better than the grape harvest of Ebiezer. I don't know what that means, but I know that it, it helped them, and it diffused their anger, and it subsided when he said this. So, um, so here's the thing. In other words, basically what I'm saying is that when you are typing out an email, maybe you got to stop for a second before you hit send. Maybe you got to pause. Maybe you got to read your words. Am I responding emotionally? Am I reacting instinctively? Am I in all caps here? And is that giving the information or do I need to go back and respond carefully? Because often when people criticize, listen, it's not about you, right? They may be coming from a place not only of just not good information, but of deep hurt. Maybe, maybe I found when um, people are criticizing me that sometimes it's born out of some inconsistency in their own lives, and you have to understand that. You have to kind of take that into account, right? That their criticism isn't personal. It's not about me. It's about them. And, uh, you know, I would say this, though. I've never met a habitually, uh, let's say, critical person who is well-adjusted and happy if they're all the time, if that's their mission in life is just to be critical. And, like, I mean, that kind of person that sort of bangs out all the, you know, the hateful stuff on social media, but, you know, I mean, they're just hitting, like, all the time, it's, you know, causing arguments. Those type of people, I, I've never met anyone that is sort of, like, really well-adjusted, and at some level, they're, they're kind of breaking down. And it could be a good opportunity when you encounter some of these people to take them aside face to face and to say, you know, where's this coming from? Where, what are, how are you doing? And you might be able to find out, like, these are just people heading in the wrong direction and they don't know it. And they're hypercritical because they have no, they've, lost the, they've lost their ability of introspection. Critical people, they, they can't look at themselves anymore, or they, or they do, and the only thing that they can do in, in, in facing that is to externalize it and begin to move out into the world and criticize others. So you just have to understand that. Instead of being defensive, you know, try, try being compassionate. Sometimes critical people um, are coming from a place of hurt. So, so sometimes you need to respond carefully. Uh, you know, number one, you know, sometimes, often, you don't need to respond at all. Number two, you know, sometimes you need to respond carefully. Uh, number three, occasionally, though, you do, need, you do need to listen, you know. You need to listen and make a change. And, and I want to talk about that for a second. This takes humility. <laughs> it does. Because it, it requires that you got to acknowledge that y- you have something to learn from people. And, uh, and sometimes the people that are being hard on you in life, they're, they're right. It's not hard to hear, right? Sometimes the people that care about you, that are hard on you, that are saying, hey, look, you know, I'm trying to get your attention. You're in a relationship, you know, you're, and, and, and like if all of your friends are saying, hey, you know, this person is bad, they're bad news, you know, if everyone is saying that, you know, you got you to have the humility to go, well, like maybe they're right. You know, maybe it, maybe it is, it isn't just all them. Maybe it's me. If everyone tells you you have a problem, chances are 
yeah, you, may, you might have a problem. So, uh, Proverbs 15, 31 says it like this. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. I want to dwell among the wise. I want to be around wise people. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Anybody want to gain a few IQ points? Listen to people that are smart, that are around you. And by the way, that's, this, this is scientific. Like if you hang out with people that are smart, that are speaking into your life, that are challenging you, that are growing you, that are stretching you intellectually, academically, that are pushing your thinking, that are taking your preconceived notions and sort of blowing them away. If you hang around with really smart people, guess what? You will gain a few IQ points. You will sound smarter. You will, I mean, I don't know that you'll become smarter, but you will, you will do better. You will do better in life. You'll be happier well, and more well-adjusted. You can basically learn anyone, learn from anyone um, if you have a heart to receive. I have really learned a lot from some unlikely people. I've, I've learned a lot from some people who are critical. Um, there's, you know, there's so many areas of my life and I realize that I can do better because of constructive criticism. Somebody that sits down with me and says, hey, Scott, I've noticed in your life that you tend to be extreme in this area, or that, you know, this is one thing that you might consider you're off a little bit. I was talking to somebody about nutrition, you know, trying to sound like an expert, you know, some, like sometimes you do that, you know, you're like, I'm an expert in nutrition. But the person I was talking to, they really were, I mean, they, they were an expert in nutrition. Like, I'm just the know-it-all, right? And, and so this person started, like, going through the reasons that what I was saying was actually not true, that the body can't even respond that way, and I don't have any understanding of the endocrine system and all that. And you know what? I started to kind of feel ticked off. Like, I, I mean, I, I read a whole uh, article on the Internet, on BuzzFeed, and, and I actually watched a YouTube video, so how, how could I be wrong? And so what I realized is that, uh, that I got better because I acknowledged that what that person was saying to me was true. It, it makes me a better dad to listen to parents. It makes me a better husband to listen to the input of like guys that I hung out with this weekend. It makes me a better pastor to listen to people like you who have constructive, well-meaning things in my, to say to me. And um, I, in fact, I tell my staff, you know, you're no good to me if you just always say, yes, 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 good job. You know, applause, way to go, Pastor Scott. Sometimes it's good to say, we need to go in a different direction. You need to think about this thing. You know, the, and being pushed is a good thing. So sometimes you occasionally need to listen and to enact change based upon that information. Sometimes, occasionally, you need to respond uh, it, carefully, and then sometimes, number one, you don't respond at all. But what do you need to do always? Number four is you always need to guard your heart. You've got to guard your heart. The Bible says that the heart is the wellspring of life. Uh, number one, we, we, will, uh, we will determine if we guard our heart that we will not be the ones with a critical spirit. Satan is literally called the accuser of the, of the brethren. We are not going to be that critical person that heaps shame and guilt on others all the time, that tears down, that criticizes. Proverbs 12, 18 says... 
There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. They cut, they divide. But the tongue of the wise brings what? Brings healing. So do you want your words to be cutting and dividing, life-taking, or do you want your words to be healing and life-giving, building up and encouraging others? When you notice somebody falling or making a mistake, you know, do you, is, your, is your first response to cut and to tear down and say, you know, you're screwing up? Or is your first response to give healing and life, to encourage and to build up? This is where I kind of have to stop. And I want to honestly go a little off notes for a minute here. I don't, I don't do this very often. In fact, I don't remember ever doing this. But So here's the problems with messages like this. They're very simplistic sometimes. Like, like here's, it's kind of like this, you know, I, I, I try to be careful in my messages by, with, from saying things like, you know, okay, you're so into yourself and you're listening to every, everything everybody else tells you. You can't be so interested in what other people think of you. And when you make a statement that like that, it's kind of like saying, don't like ice cream, you know? I mean, it's like, well, it's just part of who you are if you like ice cream, right? You also are care careful and concerned about your reputation. There's a lot going on there. You can't just not pay attention to what other people say about you and not care what they say because you are going to care what they say. And so the thing about criticism is that when you come to a topic like this, what is, what's the underlying thing? What is the, what is the controlling impulses in our lives that create criticism and cause us to tear down and be cutting like Proverbs says? What, what is it about us from a spiritual level, right? And, and here's, here's the thing. Lots of things create that. For, I mean, I, I mean, I, and this is why I, I can't really tell you, like, for you, where it comes from. So, from some of us, it's, 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 it's decades of, of familial patterns that, that come from parents, that came from grandparents, that came from, you know, patterns and lifestyles that uh, go back maybe generations. And that's how, that's your love language in your family is to criticize and to be sarcastic and to tear down. Uh, and, and, and so that, that's, that's why it's complicated, right? Uh, and then for some of us, it's, it's just we're, we're hurt. And so we're lashing out. We just want to protect ourselves. And, and then from, and then this is me, and, and I think this is the majority of it, honestly, is, is what we do, because we're intensely prideful, is we want to control the world around us. It goes back to controlling. Criticism is like this. You, got, you don't look like that. Don't speak like that. Hey, I noticed that you did this. You're not wearing the right clothes. You're not standing in the right place. You're not doing the right things. You got to talk better. You got to look better. You got to stand up straight. You know what that is? That's basically you're trying to assert agency in the world over other people because you want control and order in your own life. Like it, it, so again, this is, this is I, I want to say it like this. Like, there is chaos in the world and then there's order. Critical people are trying to create order out in the world because they don't feel order in their own heart. And, and honestly, I, I feel like that is, that is true. And, and so I, I feel like you need to take a step back. What I'm saying is this, no matter what the reason, and for many of us, there's different reasons. If we're critical, it's worth, it's worth taking time beyond today, beyond this message, 
in your own quiet moment, you and God, to get out a piece of paper and to say, what is the, why am I so critical of other people? Why am I so concerned with how someone looks and how they dress and how they act and how they speak and how they walk and how they smell? What is it? Why am I living in their external existence? And, and, and what is it about me that causes me to do that? And, and maybe that will take you down a very, a very long and arduous road to spiritual growth. You know what? It will be worth it to understand what is in the kernel of that for you, for you. Now, some of you guys don't have that problem. You're very easygoing, and criticism isn't your thing, and you don't criticize. And maybe, maybe you do, but it's like you keep it inside, and you're critical, but you don't say it. I, I still say this, like, it's worth saying, what is it in you when you dip into that pattern that causes you to go there? It's really worth it. It's, and, and, and it's a spiritual thing. It comes out of pride. It comes out of ignorance. It comes out of, of deep hurt. And so we need to figure out what that is. What do we do to overcome a sensitive spirit to criticism? Because uh, so some of us, we are literally paralyzed when we get crit- criticism. We don't, we can't handle it. We want to ball up like, you know, like an armadillo, you know, and just like uh, create a zone of, of safety for ourselves. We, want to, we can't handle it. Um, we're, we're really, really deeply, deeply hurt by it. And so for those of us who are grounded in Christ and who we are in Christ, I want to speak to you. Uh, because I don't want to be in my life, I don't want to be derailed by criticism. Uh, but the thing is, is that it's connected a lot to my desire to be praised, right? If you, and Pastor Brandon said it years ago to me, and I found his words to be so true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you. This is, this is quoting Pastor Brandon. He said, Scott, if you live for praise, you will die by criticism. And that is so true. I, I have found myself hooked into that, into that truth. If, if you live for praise, you will die by criticism. You have to deal with what people think about you. You have to, you have to get to the root of it. You have to dig into the reasons behind it. And the higher you rise in life, the more that you do, then here's the reason why you have to do that. Because if you're going to grow spiritual, if you want to go to that next level with God, if you want to go to that next level in relationships, like I'm, I'm saying this to you know, guys and gals that are not married. Listen to me very carefully. If you want to attract people who are doing things and going places, you have to deal with the, 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 the idea that um, in, in your own heart, for, for whatever reason, y- you might be gravitated toward people that aren't going to challenge you, that aren't going to be a partner with you to push you and to move you in life. The higher you rise, the more attention you will attract and the more criticism you will face. Romans 14.10, and this is where I'm going to leave it today, says this, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. It's a fact. We all will. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of of all the other people in our lives, it says account of himself, herself, to God. We are not called to be everyone else's judge. We will never be used powerfully by God if our first reflex is to criticize everything that we see. You know, God, after he created the world, what did he say? He said, it is good. 
said, what I've done is good. What I've created is good. And he rested. There's something about that, right? As you move through life, yeah, everything's messed up. There's entropy in the world. There's sin in the world. There's lots of mistakes. There's lots of hurt. But what the world needs is a positive wedge. People that will get in there and encourage and lift up as their first reflex. Too often what we are now are too isolated, siloed camps, criticizing each other, throwing grenades and barbs. Then what we need is more understanding, more tolerance, more love, more patience, a little bit deeper breath, and some careful response, right? Amen? Right? Careful response. So sometimes you don't need to respond at all. Sometimes you need careful response. Sometimes you need to listen because others are speaking into your life for a reason. They're trying to get you back on track. They care about you. You need to listen to them. But you always need to guard your heart. And I'll, I'll just say it one more time. It's worth the journey to go out from this place to do some self-reflection and to understand why is it that my first response is to, to criticize? What is it that God wants to teach me from this? The spiritual life is, is hard. You know what would be easy? Checking the boxes in a religious context, right? Just If you just do this and you just do that and you do this thing and you go through this ritual, everything will be fine. But we're all really different people, and so we have a spiritual journey that we're on. Like, it, it takes effort and, and energy, and it takes crying out to God, and just, God, what are you going to do in my life? Begin to tear down these walls. Let's just pray right now together. Lord, I pray that you would tear down the walls of ego and of, and of criticism, of selfishness, Lord. I pray that you would begin to deal with people in this room who, who have had uh, habits, generational habits, uh, from their childhood all the way from the time they were infants to their 20s living with their parents and and just criticism was the mode of, of getting along and that's all we, we did as a family and and Lord I just believe I just pray today God that you would begin to break those chains those generational chains in Jesus name I pray God for those who are dealing with criticism because there is some deep internal wounds and some hurt inside our hearts. And Lord, they're, they're, we, we have externalized and we are looking to other people to create order out of our own internal chaos. God, I pray for a breakthrough in Jesus' name that we would use you as the model, Lord, that sometimes we need to step over and we need to overlook the offenses that come our way. And God, sometimes we need to overlook those things that aren't even offenses, but that are just a result of sin and chaos in the world. Lord, finally, I just want to pray for courage for all of us, Lord, that we can do the hard work that it takes to say, not God, let us deal with all the crazy makers in the world, but Lord, let us deal with the crazy maker in my soul, in my heart, in my spirit, deep down in me. That's where I need the work, Lord. And and so, God, I just pray that you would work in me, change me. I I, I believe it's worth it, Lord, to let you do that deep work inside my, my spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.